Good morning, church. Awesome to be with you today. While we are celebrating and praising the Lord today, I want to remind the church family that the Lovegren family is uh, mourning the loss of a loved one. Uh, John, or Newt, as some uh, knew him, uh, Lovegren uh, died this past week. Uh, there should be a funeral service uh, here in this building sometime this week. Uh, the family is waiting on an appointment with the Abraham Lincoln National Cemetery uh, for his uh, burial, and that's what we have to get the approval from uh, before we can have the service here, and then the family will come back for a meal here to the church uh, building. So uh, anyone that can participate in that meal, thank you, and uh, I appreciate it. Okay, guys, uh, we're in the book of Colossians, and uh, oh boy, the slide is already on the screen. Don't everybody have to suddenly go to the bathroom. All right, stay with me, okay? Uh, if you would, please turn over. I'll tell you what. Let me turn to Colossians real quick. Uh, I want you to turn to Ephesians, the, the longer text uh, of this teaching. All right? So if I'll read quickly Colossians 3, and then we'll, go, we'll all be in Ephesians for the longer reading of this text. All right, Colossians 3, 18 and 19 reads, Wives, uh, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. There, key those words in, as fitting in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives. Then in Ephesians uh, let me bring it out for this reading uh, where it's a little lengthier. 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is his, himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and two shall become one flesh." This, is a, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and the wife see to it that she respects her husband. During the wedding rehearsal, the groom approached the minister, and, and he presented him with a $100 bill, and he said, listen, in the wedding ceremony, when you get to my part, I want you to leave these words out. Love and honor and forsake all others. 
and I'd appreciate it if you do that on my part. And he gave him the $100 bill. Well, the day of the wedding came. When it came time for the groom's vows, uh, the, the minister looked the young man in the eyes, and, and he said, will you promise to bow yourself before her, obey her every command, serve her breakfast in bed every morning, and would you swear eternally before God and your wife, would you swear uh, that um, you would not even look at another woman as long as the two of you shall live? The groom gulped and said in a high-pitched voice, Yes. <laughs> then the groom leaned into the minister and hissed, I thought we had a deal. The minister gave him back his $100 and said, she made me a better deal. <laughs> well, this morning, I want us to look at uh, what some might misunderstand. It may be the most misunderstood text in the Bible, and it's a difficult one. It's the role of submission. So let me clear up something uh, before I continue. Uh, let me see the slide of the, of the scripture text. There's bold print. There you go. Can you see the bold print, wives and husbands, in that text? You know that's added by the publisher. And in fact, you realize that it wasn't until the 1500s AD that uh, a man by the name of Stephen put in chapter and verse divisions. Why? Because these, these were letters. They were letters written to churches, and they read them as letters, and therefore, there's not a break that says wives and husbands. That was added later as a publisher's way of helping you and me identify, oh, yeah, this is where it begins, the wives and husbands. Only thing is, I believe they put that little reminder, wives and husbands, in the wrong spot. I really do. You see... Paul didn't put it there that wrote this letter to uh, the Colossians or to the Ephesians. Uh, let's go to that text and let's look back to the previous verse. Verse 21 is just as important, and 21 says, submitting to one another. Oh, oh men, oh men. We didn't read that part, did we? We just saw... The verse 22, wives submit to your husbands. And at this point, the husband is elbowing the wife. Did you hear that? Did you get that? And yet, it's verse 21. In fact, you could go back further and find the whole context of the chapter. And so I know I'm not gaining any brownie points with the men this morning, but I believe it's the truth. In this marriage relationship, you submit to one another. And when you talk about the relationship between husband and wives, you always have to do, deal with prevailing attitudes. And that's the next slide. Prevailing attitudes. Even in Christian circles, our prevailing attitudes may or may not be right concerning husband and wife. We live in a culture where uh, women have roared for a long time. I am woman, hear me roar. And uh, a lot of times uh, prevailing attitudes come into the church, and when we give our life to Christ, uh, we find out that Jesus is the only one that roars. 
And we have a hard time with that because we've been taught in our culture, I've got my rights. And see, when we gave our life to Jesus, I thought we gave up our rights. I thought we served him and obeyed his word. Uh, this is an important teaching, prevailing attitudes. And so in Christian circles, our prevailing attitudes may or may not be right. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, we have accepted culture and we neglected what God's word said about it. Are we living by culture or are we living by the word? So what goes on in your home? Uh, in the sunny, sunny, in the Sunday funny section of the Sunday paper, uh, Dennis the Menace. Anybody ever read the Dennis the Menace? Four, okay. My, my, there went my illustration, all right. Uh, it, it, it illustrates attitudes and how they manifest themselves. Dennis is having cake at Mr. Wilson's house, and Mr. Will, Mrs., Mrs. Wilson is washing dishes and, while Mr. Wilson is trying to read the newspaper, and Dennis asks why Mr. Wilson never goes to work. And Mr. Wilson uh, says, well, I'm retired. And Dennis says, retired? Is that why you loaf all the time? And, uh, and, and so he says, uh, uh, Dennis says, why do you uh, loaf all the time? Mr. Wilson responds about Mrs. Wilson. He says, well, she, she never worked. She can't retire. Dennis uh, has seen Mrs. Wilson. She's always cooking. She's always washing. She's always working in the flower bed, and he cannot accept that answer. And Mr. Wilson said, well, that's different. She's a housewife. If she retired, who would do the work? Dennis asked, couldn't you help? Dennis, are you trying to make trouble? Mrs. Wilson intervenes, telling her husband not to yell at Dennis, and she says, you know he's right, don't you? Well, there are a lot of Mr. Wilsons out there called husbands. And on the other hand, there are a lot of wives who have lived by an ungodly principle in their home as well. It's vice versa. The idea of uh, uh, no submitting out of either party, the husband or the wife, and you wonder why there's so much chaos. But if we want to experience God's ideal for marriage, we must commit to the biblical model, the biblical mandate, the plan. And so I want you to see the mystery of it all in verse 32. Ephesians 5 and verse 32 says, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now, that's significant. This sets the tone. Our view of marriage begins with our perspective. In order to avoid wrong conclusions, we must avoid the most common mistake in defining marriage. We define marriage as, social, as a social institution. We say that it is uh, required by government. Got to get that license, and we go, I just rebel against that. The mystery is, listen to this, church, this is it. Marriage is a picture of the relationship of Christ and the church. And if we have a culture that refuses to get married, then the image of Christ is the groom and the, and the church is the bride. That imagery goes away. It is so important that we hold on to marriage. The purpose of Christ in the church transcends 
uh, so sociological, economic, materialistic, or physical arrangement. It is true that we need marriage for those reasons, but we, we also marry for companionship, and we also marry to raise a family, meet sexual needs, and for economic stability. There's a lot of good reasons why we marry, but only Christianity gives the spiritual emphasis which brings eternal significance to a temporal union. God has chosen to symbolize the union between Christ and the church in human relationship. Christ is the, Christ is the bridegroom. You, the church, are the bride. The church is on display before a twisted world that through our marital relationships, the world may see the parallel between Christ who's going to one day marry the church when at the trumpet sound and the voice of the archangel, we are called up and we go to that wedding. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, I will not partake of this again with you until that day. And so there is a day at the wedding feast of the Lamb in glory, in heaven, that we are going to partake of the Lord's Supper again with him. We, the church, the bride of Christ. And so hold on to this imagery in your marriage as Christ in the church is a beautiful imagery. Carry that beautiful imagery into your home and don't tinker with it. Verse 21, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, submission, uh, the act of submitting to someone, it really means to yield and surrender. Men, there are things in your home that you will yield to the wife. That's just the way it should be. And ladies, there are things that you will yield to to your husband in the home. That's the way it should be. Do we understand the difference between the two of yielding and surrender? There's an old story which you probably have heard about a guy named Frank. Frank dies and goes to heaven, and when he gets there, he sees a long line, and the title over leading the line off are husbands that are henpecked. And the other line is husbands who are not henpecked. And he goes over, and he notices the one guy, and he goes over and talks to him. He says, listen, he said, there's, there's got to be two or three million men in this line that are husbands or henpecked. Why are you the only one in this line? He says, I don't know. My wife told me to stand here. <laughs> Is that submission? No, that's dictatorship. It's my way or the highway. And people treat their marriages like that. Is that any way to have a relationship? You that grew up in homes where dad was my way or the highway, you couldn't wait to get out of that home. You worked a job as a teenager. You just waited till you were 18 and you were gone. Am I right? Oh, yes, I'm right. Well, what are you treating the kids and the wife that way? No wonder they can't wait till they're gone. Stop living like that. It's, it's awful. It's ugly. The second illustration is a newlywed couple. Uh, they checked into a motel, and the, the new bride said, Honey, 
let's pretend that we've been married for a long time. And the groom said, well, that's fine with me, but can you carry all those suitcases upstairs? Uh, is that submission? No. That is neglect of courtesy. That's a lack of thoughtfulness and kindness. That's not love. It's mutual. Submit to one another speaks to men and women. It speaks to husbands and wives. It is a mutual submission, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We've lost that. A basic requirement of all Christians, whether male or female, are the roles that we play in life. We understand roles. When it comes to the government, oh, there's people that believe in anarchy, but we obey the rules of the government. There, there, there is the role that we play with police officers. Uh, the blue lights are flashing. You do what? You pull over. How many of you are used to doing that? When it comes to schools, our children learn to obey the teacher and the principal. You go to work, you, as an employee, you obey the employer, or you go get another job. And so <coughs> we submit to one another with the person we love. There are roles to play in a home if there's going to be peace, unity, and harmony. Come on, use your brain. Use your brain. The idea of submitting to one another is a willing submission of oneself, not out of fear, not out of reprimand, not out of economic sanctions. True biblical submission is never a forced thing. God doesn't force us to submit to him. Don't, don't you understand free will? Don't, don't you understand that when you rebel, God wasn't, God wasn't standing over you, thumping you on the skull. No, you went ahead and did some stupid things. You sinned against God, and I did too. And uh, we can never force anyone, to force anyone to submit to us because if you do, that's not a relationship. That is slavery, when people are forced to do things. We need to have free will, and when we do, we choose to submit to one another. Wives choose to be in submission in honor and reverence for Christ and your love for Jesus and a love for harmony with the man you love. Wives, the message of submission is not from your husband. No one slipped me a $100 bill. It's not from me. It is from the Lord. As to the Lord, the Bible says, true spirit of submission is not because a man demands it, but because the Lord ordained it. And you can rebel against that, but you're not rebelling against me or your husband. You are rebelling against the Lord. Submission, listen to me. Listen, submission does not mean inferiority. There's nobody inferior. It reflects God's ordained order. God designed society to function in a certain way. He ordained civil government. There is a headship in civil government. And we start out answering to a police officer, and we go up and we answer to a judge, and if things get uh, out of kilter, we can go to the Supreme Court. There's, there's, there's kind of like that. It's roles that we play in our culture. Did you know that there is also uh, a role play in the Godhead? 
Anytime you see the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's always listed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a role play. Yet they're all three God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see the Lord Jesus when he was on earth was in submission to the Father. And in many of the teachings about Jesus, it was always, I've come to do the Father's will. That's role play because they're all three God. And then when Jesus died on a cross, was buried in a tomb and raised on the third day, he stayed on the earth 40 days, according to Acts chapter 1. He ascended into heaven, and then the 50th day after his uh, death on the cross was Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came. And anytime you see the Holy Spirit's role in Scripture, it's to point us to Jesus. It's to point us to Jesus. That's just role play. And guess what? You and I have role play in this life, whether we like it or not. And we are to submit to one another. Uh, Jesus said the Father is greater than I. And therefore, he submitted, the Holy Spirit submitted in his role. They're God. We submit in ours. As illustration, I was uh, a teenager in southeast Georgia, and I went to the Southern Christian Youth Convention. There it was at the Mount Carmel Christian Church, which at that time was a 3,000-seat uh, auditorium, and the Gospel Lads Quartet was singing. Anybody heard the Gospel Lads back in the day? All right, three of us. Yeah. They were fantastic. They were from the Christian churches, Churches of Christ, and uh, they sang a song that was popular back then uh, called, uh, I remember it by the words, Daddy sang bass and Mama sang tenor. Anybody heard that song? All right, more, more people. Okay, so, man, it was great. But in the song, the tenor singer stopped everything. And the tenor singer began to say, wait a minute. When I sing the Mama sang tenor, yeah, nothing. I get nothing out of you. But when he sings the bass part, Daddy sang bass, you all go, ooh, look at there. And so he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're switching parts. And so this high-pitched tenor singer, well, he said, I want to trade microphones, and they swap microphones. And let me tell you what. Boy, he got down like this, and he cut loose, and he did a great rendition. Did he say bass? And the man, everybody went, woo! Man, that was sweet. That was nice. And then Big Dave. Big Dave stood on his tippy toes and reared back and put that microphone up in the air, and he sang, Mama sang tenor. The place went berserk. It went berserk. Everybody's on their feet clapping and for Big Dave. The only thing is, neither one of them were really singing. They were acting. You see, Murray Hollis, the lead singer, had turned his back to the auditorium. And he stood over by mail at the piano, and he was singing both parts because a bass can't sing tenor, and a tenor can't sing bass. Well, it was outstanding. I didn't notice it that night. I went to see him a second time, and somebody behind me said, tapped me on the shoulder, said, look at the lead singer over there by the piano. And I did, and doggone it, he was singing both parts, and it was, it was outstanding. Uh, it was super, but in light of that illustration, what happens when in the family, mama starts acting out the daddy part? 
I'm not talking about a single family home or a, a, a dad that's in the service and he's gone to war. No, I'm talking about when mama wants to usurp the, the role of the father in the home. It, it's when she, proverbially speaking, starts wearing the pants in the family. She undermines dad in front of the kids. I tell you what you got. Mama doesn't want to sing tenor anymore. Mama wants to sing bass. And therefore, there goes the harmony in the home. You've got two bass singers in the house. And that's just bad. What happens when daddy doesn't want to sing bass anymore? He shirks his responsibility in the home of raising the kids. Shirking his responsibility by not helping fix things that the wife says are broken while he's away. And will not carry his load in the home raising the children because of his attitude. I'm a man and he wants to roar in the, in the den of the house. This is my castle. And so instead of a, a, a man or a mouse, he becomes a monster to everyone. Then there's a breakdown in the home. As the old gospel song says, me and little brother join right in there. But you see, when we don't live out our roles properly, little brother and little sister are not joining in. There's no unity. There's no harmony. Don't you fool yourself. Your kids know it. They know. They might not be able to intellectually put their finger on it and ascribe it to somebody, but they know in their heart that mom and dad are not right. And it hurts. There's chaos. Everything falls apart. Spouses, children are not honored or respected or loved. Let me tell you something else that happens in a home where mom and dad are not right with each other. They swing their affection to the kids because they no longer are getting pats on the back from one another. They're no longer getting their emotional support from one another, and so they go to the kids, and they're trying to... That's such a load on the children. That is such a load on the children that now the children have to give more than enough emotional support. They can't be the kids anymore. <clears throat> they got to feed mom and dad what mom and dad need. And one day, the family is going to wake up and ask, what happened? What happened? Prevailing attitudes happened. Third illustration is a young sentry on guard duty. For the first time, he had orders to not let any car in this gate if it did not have a certain sticker on the bumper of a car. And so the first unmarked car, the sentry stopped, halt, and it contained a general. And when the general told his driver just to drive straight on through, I'm a general, uh, the sentry stopped him and politely asked, I'm new at this, sir, so who do I shoot first, you or the driver? Is that submission? Yes. That soldier was doing, even though at great odds, he was doing what he was supposed to do. Everybody submits. Generals submit to someone. Presidents submit to someone. Teachers submit to someone. Preachers submit to someone. Elders and deacons submit to someone. Students, accountants, attorneys, husbands, wives. No one escapes submission to someone. And if you stop and think about it, we do this every day at work. We do this every day at school, kids. We do this every day on the highway. School everywhere we go, even church. We all submit 
to someone, but we do it voluntarily. And that's what makes culture sane when we do it voluntarily. When we do it against our will, it's communism. And so we like the culture we live in, and we voluntarily submit to one another. In conclusion today, the key to a healthy, happy marriage is simple. It's this whole idea of submission. It's, it's, uh, it begins with each person submitting to God. Are you wholly submitted to God, or are you still telling him, I'm not going to do that? The second step is like the first. It's where we submit to one another in our marriage as we both submit to God. And the final step is each partner submitting themselves to each other in light of Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. An illustration, and I close. <clears throat> a young lady walked into a fabric store and asked for a, a cloth that would be noisy when she wore the dress. And the owner found two bolts of fabric and asked, well, why would anybody want noisy material? And she said, well, you see, I'm, I'm making my wedding gown, and my fiancé is blind. And when I walk down the aisle, I want him to know when I've arrived at the altar so he won't be embarrassed. Being subject to one another is not about power. It's not about authority. It's not... Uh, it is about support, and it is about love, and it is about a covenant that you made with each other and before God. And so we won't be embarrassed as we live out our lives before a twisted world as they are looking for godly examples and somebody that's got it down pat and somebody that did it right. And while we do that and live that way, we're showing them that when they one day hear about the story of Jesus and how he's a savior that loved his bride so much he died for her. And they, they read in the gospels about this, this bride, how she loves Jesus so much. The bride, the church puts Jesus first in everything. Then it makes sense because they've seen godly marriages out of people in the church. But when we live in rebellion, and the world lives in rebellion, the church is in rebellion, no one in the world would want to be part of a church like that. I want to close, but uh, there's one last slide. And it takes me to a verse of Scripture that I have missed most of my adult ministry. It's the last verse. Oh, sure, I've read it, but you know how you read something and you don't really see it? Okay, this is it. In verse uh, 33, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, you can see the slides uh, on the screen, and I can't read those words. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Uh, this one here in the red says, his love motivates her respect. Her respect motivates his love. And so you see the, the crazy cycle is that without love, she reacts without respect, and without respect, he reacts without love. And that is absolutely correct. And it was in the Bible all along. And you just can't get your husband to love you. Maybe you just have downed everything he says at the supper table. 
Maybe you've just never liked the way he did things and you've always put him down. You didn't respect him. And men, you're, you're not getting the respect that you think you deserve as a man. And by the way, that's what a man wants is respect. That's probably why sometimes they like work better than home because at work they are respected with what they do. And so... Men, you're not getting the respect. You need to start loving out of submission to Jesus Christ and submitting to one another. You need to start loving her, and maybe you can talk about it and start respecting one another. I think that's rich, and I didn't come up with it. I just shared it. Love and respect each other. God bless us as we work on our marriages. God is right, you know. God always is. And so, maybe you've come today and you weren't expecting a, a message on marriage. You wanted a message on the cross of Calvary because your intention was you wanted to give your life to Jesus today. Well, the offer still stands. He still died on a cross. You're still a sinner. We all are. And you still need a Savior. And you can come and accept Christ as your Savior. But understand, understand that uh, while we are inviting you to the bride of Christ, the church, his, his invitation, but understand that you're coming to grow intimately in love with Jesus Christ. You're coming to a relationship with him. Quit standing on the outside looking in. Come on in. See, outside, you can smell that something's cooking inside and it smells good, but you're not feasting until you get in the restaurant, until you get into mom's Thanksgiving dinner. You've got to come on in, and I'm inviting you today to come to Jesus. Repent of your sinfulness like we all did. Confess Jesus Christ's name proudly, gladly, today and forever, and be willing to go to the watery grave. By the way, the water's warm. We've had some cold days, haven't we? You come and, and we will immerse you into Jesus.